and that's been like the most important thing to me in my life is just helping people in any way that I can when I see them struggling. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of University. I'm Anne-Marie Cheresso, your host and coach. And in this moment, I'd like us to together pause and just take one deep breath, bringing us into the moment. And all that looks like is gently closing your eyes if you're willing and in a good place to do so. Maybe even putting your hand on your belly. Taking one deep deep inhale, filling your belly like a big balloon. And then gently allowing the exhale. You know, we could do that practice anytime, anywhere, when we're feeling a bit of stress or anxiety, or we just want to slow down. And on today's show, I'm talking with Satvik Sati. He's a Binghamton University student and a mental health advocate who offers us some unique perspectives on the coronavirus pandemic, how he's coping, how the rest of us are coping, and what he likes to do to help. And as I'm checking in, how are you coping? I know that there's a lot of chaos going on here in my household. We have seven personalities living here these days, and everyone's really learning how to be with this new normal. I use that simple breath to get myself present a lot these days. And I invite you to do the same. It really, really helps. Now, we know that mental health is a really important topic, particularly now. If there's anything we're learning, right now we're learning how important our mental health is. So let's join my conversation with Safik as he talks about his mental health advocacy work, how it began, and what he's doing today. My journey with mental health sort of began almost accidentally back in middle school. So it was a time when a lot of my friends and family members were dealing with mental health problems. But at the time, none of us at that age knew that they were called mental health problems and there's like specific stuff within them. But I just wanted to be a good friend. And I started talking to my friends about the problems they were dealing with and trying to like tell them that, you know, things get better and just being there for them. And that's been like the most important thing to me in my life is just helping people in any way that I can when I see them struggling. It was also a time when I would go online on social media and find people who were reaching out for help. Back when Instagram didn't have sensitive content filters, you know, people used to post photos about them self-harming with captions about stuff that they're dealing with and just basically a cry asking for help on social media. So I would just leave a comment on these posts saying, if you need a friend to talk to him, there are a few. And uh, over the past five or six years, I've spoken over 350 people like that, just going online, finding them and reaching out. Freshman, Thank you. So so freshman year, when I came to Binghamton, I was obviously, it was my first time being away from family first time in the United States. So it was a time when my own mental health started to worsen. And it was really hard for me to stay on top of reaching out to people on social media and trying to be there for them when I couldn't take care of myself. But it was something that was super important to me was such a fulfilling experience that I didn't want to stop doing it. 
So that's when I started thinking of ways that I can scale this project. So initially I thought, you know, maybe I'll get a bunch of students who are interested in helping me and we can all start reaching out to people on Instagram. But I realized with that, it would be really hard to monitor what conversations people were having. I wanted to make sure that people weren't getting wrong advice or advice in general, because for me, it's always been about active listening and not really giving people advice, just sort of encouraging them to open up and just let it all out. So that's when this idea came to me that why not create an app which lets people come online, talk to student volunteers one-on-one about their mental health problems, train all these student volunteers in active listening and a couple of other things. And that's how Runaway was born. The app is still under development, but while the app was being developed, I didn't want to just stop there and wait for something to happen. I wanted to take charge and continuously work on promoting better mental health, advocate for better resources, accessibility to these resources, sort of free mental health care. And I got involved my freshman year with Mental Health America. They reached out to me. They saw some of the ideas and the work that I was doing with Runaway, creating like this team of student volunteers from around the world. And they reached out to me to be part of their first ever Mental Health Youth Innovation Council. So I was part of 15 students from around the country, and we were working on conducting research and analyzing policies relating to mental health and disability services on our college campuses. And we actually created a report. And then it really transitioned from there to, instead of being so solely focused and promoting ourselves as an upcoming app, to focus more on the community aspect. Just last month or two months ago, I was invited to speak at the UN. And I was on a panel with policymakers from several countries. And basically, I was representing the youth of today and demanding for better mental health services and tell policymakers how they can provide the stuff that we need and how the youth need to be a bigger part of the conversation when they're creating policies. So it's really cool to see how it sort of transitioned from something I was doing back in middle school to now being able to sit at these tables with really influential people and demand for better action. And that's really what I want to continue doing is just I've been able to build out this platform. I've been able to get support from a lot of people and to make sure that I'm using that responsibly and using it to advocate for people who might not be able to advocate for myself uh, for themselves. And that's so beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. And now for the past two weeks, I've founded a project to share information and resources completely separate from Runaway about the coronavirus outbreak. So we're aggregating a lot of information from trusted resources. We're looking at resources that people could utilize, like student resources that Ashwath is working on. We got informational toolkits, um, live outbreak trackers, testing center information, just like a mobile platform that has everything that people might need to prepare for and tackle everything that they're dealing with because of the outbreak. So people don't have to go from one place to the other to search for this information and it just makes their life easier. How are you finding time and space (laughs) to do all this? I always get that question. (laughs) Um, Honestly, like very, very honestly, I'm just not someone who's very interested in academic learning when it comes to college stuff. So, I mean, I'm, notorious for missing classes and you know staying at home working on this stuff and I think over time my professors and everyone has sort of understood that my GPA is like not good but I think because I have all these experiences of being interning every break since I turned 16 
Um, I was able to find really good internships. I got a full-time offer at MasterCard that I started in August. So I think I'm letting my experiences speak for themselves and I'm doing something I'm passionate about. And I think the right people will support that. So that's really how <laughs> skipping a bad example is set for people. But <laughs> Well, what, the example that I love that it's setting is you're not skipping classes and doing nothing. You're skipping classes and following your passion and actually doing something productive in the world that speaks to you personally, right? So Absolutely. of course you're going to succeed because you know, you're following your heart, you're following your passion, and that's what we need to yeah. succeed in our lives. MasterCard. So help me connect the dots. What are you so, going to be doing? For I'm actually a business major. I'm studying leadership and consulting and management information systems. And I've always been super interested in the intersection of technology, innovation, and stuff that really, you know, helps people such as the project I'm working on right now for the coronavirus. So I was looking for internships because one of my goals was to stay in this country after I graduate and I would need a job and someone to sponsor my work visa and stuff like that. So MasterCard came along last year and I interned there last summer. While I was there, I realized it's a great company. They have great culture. Everyone there is super accessible, including the C-suite. So now when I start full-time with them, I told them that I want to work in something that allows me to cultivate that passion of mine for innovation and social good. So my job will be to identify global companies that are working on social innovation and see how MasterCard can support them and also look at industries or new emerging markets that MasterCard can enter to from a social good perspective. That's exciting. I'm really yeah. excited because it's going to be very different work every day. I'm going to have an opportunity to really connect with and learn from a lot of different people. So it'll, it'll, it won't be like a desk job where I'm just sitting all day crunching numbers, but it'll actually be something where I have to use my mind a lot and, you know, interact with a lot of people, which I love doing. Given all that's going on with coronavirus right now and the uncertainty that's unfolding, do you have any concerns about job security? I'm supposed to start in August. Yeah. So I, I still have a decent amount of time, but I think what I'm most worried about right now is just being able to walk at graduation or not, or if we're going to have graduation over Zoom as well. So that's my biggest concern right so now. So sad, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, there's so much disappointment right now and grieving and things we need to let go of. Like we have these visions in our mind of the way we thought it was going to be and we have to let those go and just be with like this new reality. Since you're all about mental health, how is it that you take care of your own mental health? You're doing all this incredible work out in this world and social good, which is so important. But the fundamental thing to remember is we can't actually support and help others if we're not you know, physically and mentally healthy ourselves. So you're really, really busy. You're skipping classes. But how are you managing and taking care of your mental health? I mean, it's definitely not linear. Like, I will have periods where my mental health just goes horrendously wrong. But I think that's just part of life. And I've learned that there are some things that help me manage it. So, you know, for me, I've tried most, if not all, of the different resources available. You know, I've done therapy both online and offline. I've done meditation classes, yoga, whatever. But for me personally, what works best is for me to just be in my room left alone and just like watch Netflix, watch like different YouTube videos, movies, or even like work on projects. So when I'm really stressed, what I do is I just start working on like cool new ideas and stuff. They might never 
ever see daylight, but it's just cool for me to be using my mind somewhere else and in a way distract myself from it. So that's, that's usually what works best for me. You know, I've never luckily been in a slump that's lasted too long. Worst case, it'll be two, three days and then I'll be back. It's just part of life. And I've learned to just navigate it and accept that, you know, it happens sometimes when you let the world overwhelm you. So just when it happens, take a step back from everything you're doing and spend some time with yourself and just recover. Yeah, that time to yourself is so important. And have you found it difficult to have time to yourself in a college setting? Because I'm hearing from a lot of college students, there's no space. Like I don't have space to be to be alone. I think freshman year, sophomore year, that was the case because I was living in dorms and I always had people around me. And also just, I think, professors. I remember if I had a bad mental health day back in the day, I would actually email my professor saying, oh, I'm just, I have a really bad cold or I think I have the flu so I can't come to class. Just basically making any excuse but telling them that my mental health is bad. But because I realized that I'm advocating for people to be more transparent about their mental health, I can't be lying about my own. And so starting junior year one, I moved into an apartment with a couple of my friends, but now with the apartment, I have my own private space. So when I don't want to interact with anyone, I just lock my door and I'm just in my room. So I get, I get that privacy. Um, and then also with my professors, if I don't want to go to class because of a bad mental health day, now I just email them saying, hey, my mental health is bad. And what I've seen is most professors or all professors actually will say that they completely understand and will excuse you from class. Um, And they've been really supportive in most cases. And I know that might not be the case for everyone, but luckily, fortunately for me, that's always been the case so far. So really grateful for that. That's amazing. I think that stress is going to change the way people, like the level of stress is going to change now. Everything's changing. So who knows what the needs will be going forward on campus. Um, what do you think the biggest source of stress right now is? Because it's shifted. I think it's super subjective and also might differ greatly by each campus. And that's something that we found when I was part of Mental Health America's Innovation Council. It really drastically shifts. I mean, for some, it might be food insecurity. For some, it might be financial insecurity. For some, it could just be academic pressures or, you know, homesickness. So it's it's very hard to pinpoint and say, you know, this is the one thing that's causing most of the stress. I think it really differentiates from where people come from, what their status is, what are some of the resources that they have easily available to them, which is why even on my campus, I've consistently been advocating not just for you know saying that oh we added a new crisis helpline on campus so we're done with our mental health work but also look at other things like lowering tuition where you can adding more scholarships you know upgrading the food pantry to be more accessible and less stigmatized stuff like that because I think all those factors together impact people's mental health and their stress levels. Where are you right now are you still I'm, I'm still, uh, no, I'm, I'm living off campus, but I'm still in Binghamton. And how has it been for you since I'm assuming you said you're an international student, so most yeah. of your family is overseas. Yeah. How is it at this time being away from family? It's, I mean, now I'm a senior, so I think I'm kind of used to it. I only go home once a year anyway. So I was home this winter break for a month. 
So it's, it's something that I'm becoming more and more used to, especially now that I plan on staying here for a while. I will have to get used to it eventually. But I have seen a lot of my friends, you know, who are still freshmen, sophomores, international students. They actually went back home just to be with their family at this time. But for me, that was just so much going on here that I thought it was best to just stay. And most of my friends, if not all, are still here. A couple are going home this weekend. Classes just went online this week. So this is our first week of figuring things out on Zoom and professors trying to understand technology. It's really <laughs> but, interesting. Yeah. I mean, campus has tried their best to be helpful. I think it's, it's a huge learning curve for everyone, not just students. Everyone's trying to do the best that they can with the resources available. I know campus yesterday announced that they'll try their best to refund part of tuition and all the expenses that people had to pay for. And also they're keeping the dorms open if someone cannot go home for any reason or, you know, something like they don't have internet at home and they just want to use campus facilities. Wow. I know there's a couple of campuses that are still doing that around the country. And then there's a couple that just said, we don't care, get out. Which again, like raised a whole lot of concerns. I was reading a lot of tweets about it. Definitely a slippery slope, but I think it's really hard to like blame someone right now because... It's such a new experience for everyone, not just students, but also this isn't something that any administration is prepared for in their contingency plans. So I think it's just interesting to see how, you know, things are playing out, how people are sort of learning on the fly. I'm worried, but also excited to see, you know, the world that will be shaped once this is all ended. What do you think will be most different? I think people are just realized that a lot of the, I was talking to my dad about this, but a lot of the rules that exist in the world are super arbitrary. (laughs) And I'm I'm curious to see if people are going to easily switch back instantly to it once this all dies down, or will there be some sort of resilience now that people have seen that, you know, things like work from home are possible. And, uh, uh, you know, we can carry more than whatever 20 ml of liquids on flights because a lot of flights allowed people to carry 60 ml hand sanitizer bottles things like that so i'm curious and excited to see if people will just be like okay well coronavirus is done so we'll go back to those rules now or now that they've seen a whole different lifestyle they'll try to challenge it that's so interesting i hadn't thought about the liquids on the airplane you're right (laughs) and there there are all these arbitrary ways of being that yeah. that are shifting, they have to shift, like online education. There are preschoolers who are, you know, taking school online right now. Um, it's something we never imagined was possible. And this is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about like building our resilience and pushing our innovation forward. Like there are things that are possible for us if we just open our mind. Yeah, and I'm, I'm taking a special education class this semester, and I was talking to my professor about this too, is that companies and academic institutions emphasize a lot on being there in person, but especially for people with disabilities um, who might find it hard to actually travel and get to these places, online learning and online tools can be so helpful. But we've just had these rules, arbitrary rules that say, no, you have to get here. But now that people have realized that they know they can do this from home. I'm, I'm excited to see if, you know, for people who might be disadvantaged in those situations could now actually be in the comfort of their own homes or be comfortable coming to work online or attending classes online and things like that as well. I did my first yoga class online today. How was it's not that? True. It's, not my, it's not true that it's my first yoga class, but it's my first live yoga class. 
And I didn't think I was going to love it. And I loved it. It was, it was awesome. Yeah. So it really opened my mind to something that I probably wouldn't have tried. Otherwise, I go to the studio and there was a community of people led by my yoga instructor. It was awesome. It was really yeah. great. But I'm curious about how much we're missing being in physical community with one another. Like, this is great. The internet is this great gift, but there is something about using it to connect with our friends so that we can get together and be you know, physically together. Do you think that we're going to be suffering as a community from not being, you know, live with each other? For me personally, it's just more about the ability or the inability of being with yourself. I see online that a lot of people are struggling now yeah. to just cope because they don't know what to do when they're home alone all by themselves, but I love it. And I've, you know, I've loved it since I was a kid, just having my own time, having my own space. Um, and when I need social contact or just need, you know, to hang out, my roommates are all still here. So we'll just sit together outside in our living room, talk, play video games. And otherwise, I've just, I've group FaceTimed a lot of my friends. I'm part of like different committees on campus and we didn't have any work to do, but we just all hopped on a Zoom, Zoom call and we were just talking about our lives right now. So I think the social thing, yeah, for a lot of people, I could definitely see it being a factor. But I also think that this might give people an opportunity to really get to know themselves better, to learn to be with ourselves mm-hmm. and sort of channel that inner intuition that we have with our body and just our mind. Because um, I, I have seen a lot of people just struggle, you know, they're like, I'm so bored. They're just staring at the ceiling all day. But it it can actually be really, really helpful um, in a lot of cases to just be with yourself and learn more about yourself. Yeah, I think it's like this forced retreat, which could be really, really of service to so many of us. And you don't seem to be impacted at all. (laughs) I'm I'm in my element. (laughs) I I love it. I sort of am, too, because I don't leave the house very much either. I like work from home. If I don't have to leave, I'd rather not. Um, yeah yeah because it's just like when I'm at home I can actually do a lot of the things that I want to do I've always said that like going to campus for classes and stuff really takes away from my day (laughs) now that I don't have to you know I'm getting so much more work done and catching up on all the previous ideas and stuff that I had working on this project now so I definitely really enjoying it I've been ordering food every evening and it's nice (laughs) well we're about to be on lockdown here in Chicago so in, a, in about an hour or two, we're going to hear from the governor. And do you have any concerns about that for yourselves? Given- yes. Because <laughs> India just announced yesterday, the prime minister had an address and he said that despite, you know, India is going on a lockdown as well. All the restaurants, bars, everything are shut. But he said that they're working super hard with all the suppliers and supply chains to ensure that the grocery stores stay completely stocked with food, which I think is something that we need to think about doing here as well, especially if we're getting rid of delivery services and stuff. If there's no food in the grocery stores, then what are people expected to eat? So I think more work needs to be done in ensuring that grocery stores stay stocked, the people who are working their asses off to just be there, get compensated in a fair way, and we stop having this conversation about minimum wage is too high and it should stay as as it is. I think this has been a great example of how these minimum wage workers are the front runners and eventually the people who are keeping this society still afloat. 
I think there's a lot of emphasis that needs to be put on that right now. Yeah, and jobs. Like I know so many students have lost their jobs that they currently have because they're you know working on campus or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Summer internships are in flux. A lot of people are losing their job and their work right now. All these jobs like Uber or Postmates or these delivery jobs that were keeping people's livelihoods going, they're disappearing and we don't know when they're coming back. It can be scary, particularly for young people. But I, I don't experience yet in the students that I've been talking to and work with, I'm not experiencing you guys worried about stuff like that. I think it's because we, right now, we're not completely on our own. Um, mm -hmm. we have like that fallback, but also I just think like right now we don't have as many responsibilities and liabilities as adults with maybe families or things like that, because I saw, I mean, people are struggling to pay their rent on time and things, things of that sort. And I think it's something that policymakers need to do a better job of handling. A lot of countries, I know France suspended all the rent payments and things like that, all bank repayments for a while which is what we need to do because if there's no jobs, there's no income, people can't pay this. And this just creates that unnecessary burden and sort stress. of emotional stress for people. So we need to just make those changes and let people give them time to recover from this, give them time to de-stress. I mean, even our university, they we switched from offline classes and immediately they expected us all to be perfectly on time for online classes. And then a lot of students protested and eventually they took a couple of days off and canceled all classes uh, for three days this week so people could actually get time to understand what was going on, make decisions if they want to go home or stay and just get used to what's coming. So I think all those changes need to come from the people in charge to help everyone navigate this more efficiently and less trust. Yeah, you know, what you're doing is, you know, putting an exclamation point on mental health. And the thing that I like to preach about so much is you can't actually be present for your classes and for learning and for achieving if your mental health is compromised, if you are hijacked by fear and stress, anxiety, and all of these things right now are, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, our basic needs are being threatened. Yeah. And our students are not really available to be focusing on, you know, I don't know, world history or, you know, chemistry or whatever. Yeah, yeah. How, how is it that you're able to put your attention and funnel it in that way so you can maintain your, your grades and stay on track with what you're doing? So I, I think giving students some space to get acclimated and get situated. I know I've got two college students home right now. And the motivation is really low because you have to shift your mindset. Like yeah. at school, you're used no, to studying. it's really hard to, <laughs> to, to stay motivated for schoolwork right now. That's definitely yeah. something that I've been facing a lot this week. Hey guys, you're still here. I hope that means you're enjoying this episode as much as me. And I want you to know I really appreciate you. And today I have a gift for you. You see, right before coronavirus hit, I launched my new brand and I was really excited to launch my new online membership community for young people where we gather weekly online for 30 minutes to 
practice meditation, connect with one another, share, and get some live coaching from me to help navigate everyday life stresses. With all that's currently going on in the world, we're all so much more stressed and likely way more disconnected these days. So I've created a space to connect intimately and authentically so we can support one another as we navigate these crazy times. You know, originally I was offering these memberships at a low monthly rate so it could be accessible to everyone. But in the spirit of all that's occurring in the world right now, I feel inclined to offer this for free to any young adult in or just out of college. So if you or someone you know could use a place to be seen, supported, heard, and held in community of like-minded folks, I hope you'll take advantage of this invitation. Like I said, it's a monthly membership. You'll have four opportunities to connect per month, and you can drop in whenever you like, no obligation. To register now, head over to annemariechiresso.me or text MEDITATE to 474747, and I'll be on the lookout for you. Welcome back to university. You're listening to my conversation with Satvik Sati. We've been talking about stress, the disappointment of unmet expectations, and adjusting to this new normal. A big topic of conversation out in the world is leadership. So let's rejoin the conversation as I ask Satvik to name a leader that inspires him. to say mark cuban really yeah watching shark tank was a family activity in my household and uh we'd all get super into it and mark cuban was just always i think one he was the most knowledgeable person and as someone who's very interested in starting my own social and and i think all the feedback that he would give to the contestants and people participating has really helped me sort of outline some of the ideas that i have and better make them and also I think he's very socially conscious and very morally and ethically sound I know one thing that he just introduced was now that the NBA season got cancelled he actually told all his workers even the minimum wage workers that they will be compensated for the time that they would usually be working even now that they don't have shifts he'll still be paying them he tries to constantly advocate for better policy from the government and he's just despite being a billionaire and despite having all this money and great investments, he's still at the end of the day, a good person. And I think that's something that a lot of people who get to that stage forget that they still have a moral and ethical obligation to the world and to themselves. And he's kept that and he's kept his beliefs and, you know, his values still strong. And that's someone that I really hope to be. Yeah. I really appreciate you pointing out that when we're gifted with wealth, that, we still, you know, I, I shy away from the word obligation a little bit because the word obligation feels a little constrictive to me, but we still have an opportunity to use that wealth as a means to helping others. And actually, when you think about it, all of his wealth has come from all of us. Yeah. Right? Like, so when you take that and you look at it that way, we're so interconnected. And, you know, when you hoard something, it's not of use to others. But when we give and receive and give and receive, and there's this open flow, 
we're in a much healthier state and a much better way of being with one another. Yeah, so. no, absolutely agree. And that's something that I always try to channel is that, you know, if I have a milestone that I've accomplished, I don't forget everyone who's helped me get there, regardless of how small their contribution might be. I mean, for the project that I'm working on for the coronavirus, you know, the first person to actually reach out to me to volunteer. And this wow. was a time when I didn't think I was going to get any volunteers at all, or if this was even going to become a reality. Unfortunately, she couldn't help us out because she just ran out of time. But that itself gave me so much motivation. And I put her on the team page as one of our volunteers. And I told her, you know, you're on the page. She's like, well, I didn't do anything. I said, no, but you gave me the motivation to keep going and keep looking for more people. And now this is actually turning into a reality. So if it weren't for you supporting me in that emotional way, it might not have happened. So for me, it's really always important to recognize people who've helped me get there, all the supportive messages I get and things like that. Yeah, and her contribution was so big. Absolutely, yeah. More often than not, all you need is really to someone just say, you know what, I believe in you and you can do this. And it really gives you the push that you need to keep going. Thank you for saying that. That is great advice. And it's true. It's true for me. Because sometimes we get so stuck in our heads that we get in our own way. And then we have someone just whispering something behind us and it gives us the motivation we need to keep going forward. Absolutely. Last question. What the world needs now is fill in the blank. People to be there for one another. Mm -hmm. I think now and always we need people to just be there and you don't have to cross oceans for other people but just simply texting your friends and family every now and then saying hey i haven't heard from you in a while hope you're doing okay it's something that i started doing a lot more of over these past two years and i've really seen that it's strengthened a lot of my relationships it's made a lot of my friends and family open up to me it's just really nice being there for other people. And even the smallest acts can go a long way. Smiling at someone or saying thank you, someone opens the door for you or things like that. You know, it's people take all those things for granted. And I think like to another person that might just be like the highlight of their day. Yeah, that's so true. I have this fun game that I play that I'm thinking I'm going to challenge our listeners to. And you just said it a minute ago, like these little things like smile at one another. In particular, um, younger people, I notice, have resistance to making eye contact with one another, smiling at each other. It's awkward, right? It's awkward. Like we are not comfortable looking one another in the eye. It's sad, but we, we're not practiced. We're not skilled at doing it. And I play this game sometimes when I'm walking down the street where I try and make eye contact with random people and smile and see how it impacts them. And I would say, I would say 70% of people like quickly look away, like, <laughs> you know, like they're embarrassed or shy or uncomfortable. But then there's that few, those few people who like smile back. And so I've often had the thought, I think it would be a fun challenge for us to all play, like see how many people you could smile at today. Um, yeah, so no, maybe we'll try, we'll try yeah. and do that. <laughs> And you have a great smile. I've been um, enjoying your smile in your eyes you. this whole time. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> and it makes a difference. It like definitely it really does, yeah. makes a difference. And it's it such a small does. thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I catch myself going, like if, if someone smiles at me first, I'll be like, well, why are they smiling at me? Is there something on my face? You know, like, yeah. so 
what if we were to build a new habit and really create a new habit and that's just smile at one another? Yeah. It's that simple. Sapik, thank you again so much. I love what you're doing in the world. You're a great gift. Keep doing what you're doing. You're brilliant. And thank you. Thank you so much. It was it was really nice talking to you. Where can people find you if they want to look for you and get your great resources? Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, um, just Sathik Sethi, my full name. And on Twitter, I'm SatSethi14. If you want to check out Runaway, visit runawayapp.com awesome. and project-covid.com for the coronavirus app. Yikes. That's, that's all. Lot. That's everything to stay on top of. <laughs> Definitely go check everything out that Sathik is offering and up to because those resources are such a gift. So that was my conversation with Sotvix Adi. You can find links to his many great resources in the show notes for the episode. And thanks so much, Sotvix, for the work that you do, your authenticity, and your deep devotion and passion and enthusiasm for the work you do in the world to support others. Now, a little homework. One of my favorite teachers is Buddhist monk Thich Nhat Hanh. Did you know that we have over 300 muscles in our face. So Thich Nhat Hanh teaches something called face yoga. You know, if we don't practice smiling, our muscles don't get used. And it's really important to smile consciously. And it's something we can do really easily, anytime, anywhere. So think about it. There's so many ways to smile. And when you smile, you automatically feel better. So just take a moment and try it on. If you're not already, just even close your eyes, gently turn up both sides of your lips and smile. And simply notice, has it changed your experience in any way, shape or form? What do you notice? Just take a deep breath and simply smile. Can you feel the smile all the way down into your belly, into the core of your being. When we smile, we feel it throughout the whole body and it lights us up. But as importantly, it has the power to light others up too. It's contagious. So like any virus that spreads really easily, your smile has the capacity to change others and the world. You know, I've been walking my dog more often these days in this coronavirus world and I'm noticing how people are tending to social distance and what that's been looking like is people are ducking their heads and turning away we're avoiding each other so the other day on my walk I made it my intentional practice to catch people in the eye and smile at them and it really made a difference not only for me but I have to believe for them too. So remember to find your smile as you go about the day. You don't actually even need a reason. And set an intention to light not only yourself up, but those around you. It really, really matters. So that's your homework this week. It's called a smile meditation. Remember, you have 300 muscles in your face. Work those babies out. Okay, that's all for now. May you breathe easily. Take it one moment at a time and keep doing the things you love. I'll see you next time.
University's executive producer is Tyler Green of thestoryproducer.com. This podcast is also produced and edited by Katie Clarkson. The university team also includes Marsha Craig, Ashwath Narayanan from Culture Media, Adam Harris, and Kim Redding. University is a production of Bring It Home, founded by Anne-Marie Chiresso. You can find out more at A-N-N-M-A-R-I-E-C-H-E-R-E-S-O dot me. Or follow us at Anne-Marie Chiresso on Instagram. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to this show on your favorite podcast app and write us a review. It really does help us have more of an impact in the world. Thanks so much for listening in, and I look forward to seeing you next time. And you have a great smile. I've been enjoying your smile and your eyes this whole time. Thank you. Appreciate it.